This week, this sorry excuse for a podcast is sponsored by Lilith's Mattresses. Lilith's Mattresses have a unique combination of high-performance straw and hypoallergenic newt-scale filling, which delivers contouring pressure relief, core support, and a guaranteed 87% lice-free sleep. Oh, that just sounds awful. In my experience, people need a few lice to remind them that they're alive. Nothing like a good rash to focus the mind. Well, I suppose if you want to spend good money on a glorified sack of straws, I suppose you should get one. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am always am Morris, aka Russ, or Russ, aka Morris, and with me is my audacious and alert co-host Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, I'm absolutely delighted to be here, and so you should be. That's right, um, <laughs> Russ. We, yes. we, we, we appear to have a friend. We do. Yes. We have we we have a friend. It's amazing. I know. I'm, I'm really super delighted to. Um, so we've got Sarah Newton on this week of Mindjammer fame. I'm really Ooh. super super happy to have her on because I'm a big fan. And also every time I've spoken to Sarah, she's always been so lovely to talk to. So I've been really looking forward to this one for about a month. Uh, no Actually, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on board, <laughs> Peter and Russ. <laughs> Hello. I'll just build you up. Just build you up. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, no, no pressure. Whoa. it's really nice to be on board thanks for having me on the show it's it's lovely to have you okay let's uh, let's let's try and whip through this as quickly as possible because i know you're kind of pressed for time so peter um what's caught your eyes in the world of rpgs this week oh well the biggest thing that's caught my eyes is actually believe it or not a kickstarter normally, normally i try and stay away from it but it had such a great name that i had to have a look at it Immersive Battle Mats for Tabletop Role-Playing Games. Excellent name. I like yeah. that name. You know what a fan I am of names that tell you what the Kickstarter's actually about. And this appears to be, uh, yeah, pre- pretty much what it says on the tin. But there are there are some concerns I do have about it, though. It's currently over 2,300% funded. So, really? yeah, yeah, which is pretty good going. Because what it is, it's essentially this big book of battle maps which may sound familiar to you russ yes i have a big book of battle maps <laughs> indeed, indeed uh but uh but but the thing is um looking at it i am a little bit worried that it's a little bit cheap because like the sort of prices for this much art and this much paper and the um the binding um mm-hmm. like because it's got like a sort of a lay flat binding which is quite nice but it's sort of like more photographies and like it's a complete new creator they've not done it anywhere else it's it, it, it's just a series of concerns here us um and, and also like the turnaround times like three months so uh since, since there is actually already a company doing these products which i believe you have a fairly large one of um it's yeah, like, I well, bought, yeah i bought one in dragon meat yeah it's lovely yeah yeah so it's like for our uk listeners it doesn't seem like it's such a good deal but as i say it's uh, a lot of people have flagged it up to me i'm just yeah i don't I, i'm just not sure it's going to be quite what they're expecting or quite ready when they're hoping so well, yeah, we, we, we can only wait and see we can only wait and see it does um, sound good so russ what's caught your eye Ooh, so um, you know the opportunity rover uh, died on mars this week oh yeah 
Which was a bit sad, and there was lots of yeah, there was lots of memes going around the internet. Um, you know, uh, it's getting dark and my battery is low, and uh, there was even there was even one little thing about um, this short story about the tar disappearing and picking up opportunity to bring it home and stuff like that. So it's kind of caught caught people's imagination. Uh, and also in the RPG community, it did because um, a chap named uh, Walrock Homebrew on Twitter. That's his real name, I presume. Uh, w A L R O C K. I'm sure that's his real name. No, I, 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 I have so no reason to think, to think otherwise. Comes from a long line of homebrews. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so he's uh, he's, he's uh, created a, a very nice looking D and D fifth edition stat block. For our rover friend. Has he? Oh, cool. He has. And it's, it's very, very well laid out as well. It almost looks like a page straight out of a D&D book. Um, it's got a picture of the rover on there. It's got a bit of fiction on there, which kind of explains why the rover would be in a D&D setting, which involves a gnome and some planes and stuff like that. And then it's got a stat block for the for the rover itself. And uh, yeah, it's quite yeah. a cute little thing. That's no very sweet. And run away. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Uh, so yeah, that's what caught my eye this week. Um, Sarah, has anything particularly caught your eye in the last week or so? That's difficult to say last week or so because I live in this field in Normandy, so oh. news reaches out extremely slowly. <laughs> it's like a sheep line that's sort of dragged up to news to where I live. But I actually, I've been receiving. I got my copy. Wait, of, when you last received the news by carrier pigeon, <laughs> it was something around something called Dungeons and Dragons Third Edition. I think it was. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> but I got a copy in the yes, post only sorry. yesterday of Mutant Crawl Classics, which oh, I know right, that's, yeah. that's old news now for all you all you young kids. But for me, that was... Uh, I, I got DCC a couple of months ago. I'm sort of catching up. I'm sort of five years out of date at the moment. Um, but I got Mutant Crawl Classics the day before yesterday, I think it was. And it's mm. lovely. And I've been just, I'm a huge Gamma World and Post-Epoch fan. Um, yeah. And I just love the touch that Goodman Games puts on their products. And so I was just leaping yeah. through it thinking, oh my God, look at this gorgeous art. I'm lo- losing myself. Yeah, I, have, I, 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 have, I, have, I have Dungeon Call Classics. I haven't seen Mutant Call Classics though. It's cool. No, it's, it's, they, they, they basically just take all the tropes from Dungeon Crawl Classics and they just swap yeah. them into science fiction. So it works well with the mutation. Fantastic. You know, it's, it looks really nice. Um, you know, it gives me an itch oh. to, to, to play me some um, some good old Gamma World type adventure because I just love that. Yeah, part. I'm oh, tempted nice. to look that one up now. Nice. Yeah, that does sound good. Okay, then, should we get into some news? Yeah. Let's whip through the oh, news. Yes. Let's see what's going on in the world of RPGs. Monty Cook Games Numenera shipments have been going out recently. And uh, some customers are getting a slight surprise with their Numenera shipments. Um, some recent customer shipments contain some handwritten D&D 5th edition notes on torn Numenera pages. Wow. Yes. And now nobody knows what this means. Whether it means there's going to be a, a, fifth, a D&D 5th edition conversion of Numenera, which seems like the most likely interpretation. But uh, the, the Twitter account for Monty, Put, Monty Cook Games um, uh, tweeted, some very mysterious notes are being found in a few Monty Cook Games shipments. We're sure we wouldn't have the faintest idea what these scrawlings mean. Pay no attention. Uh. <laughs> it's, uh. it's interesting. Wow. So what these things are, they're literally pages out of Numenera books that have been yes. ripped out. And yes. then all over them, there have been like um, just notes in the margins and things crossed out and replaced with D&D 5th edition equivalents and stuff like that, just in pen. 
And then they, oh, these exactly. have just been inserted into various customers' packages. That's so clever. That's really cool. That's an oh. interesting, it's an interesting marketing idea, isn't it? It's just a shame yeah. we can't just steal that and do it immediately afterwards. It's such a good idea. That's really cool. I'm sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you oh. most certainly can. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued. I'm not totally sure how well Numenera would convert over to 5th edition. I mean, Numenera well, is very... Yeah, well, yeah. Well, well, we were saying, like, just last week, though, that thematically they are very similar sort of games mm. um, in that they draw upon, like, it's almost a science fiction version of traditional fantasy in that you the old world is much better and you're trying to find sufficiently advanced technology. Yeah, sort of I suppose, yeah. Mm. Hmm. So, certainly Monty Cook generally tends to be quite good at doing games, so, yeah. Well, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's, he's, got a bit of a, he's got a bit of a rep for it, hasn't he? Well, yeah, a couple of things here and there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Stranger Things. We all know what Stranger Things is, don't we? We say well, do. I mean, uh, Some of us are yeah, Stranger Things. <laughs> and well, we also all know what D&D is, I presume. Yeah, uh, Some of us are more exciting additions than others, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Wizard of the Coast is making a new D&D 5th edition starter set. Mm-hmm. which is a Stranger Things version of the starter set. And That's just contains... so self-referential, isn't it? That's just so it self-referential. Is, it is a bit. It is a mm. bit. I mean, <laughs> it contains uh, the, the adventure that the kids were playing in Stranger Things as the starter adventure. <laughs> right. Um, okay. And right. some 80s-style dice, which I'm not sure what that means exactly. It means they've got no edges to them. They're all basically round with all the edges chipped off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and also it's got some <laughs> miniatures. It's got two um, Demogorgon figures. Yeah. Uh, Stranger Things character sheets. Yeah. And uh, well, the adventure is being written by Stan, um, oh. who does note, incidentally, that Stranger Things is set in sort of 1983-84. Mm-hmm. And Forgotten Realms, which is the default D&D setting these days, wasn't published until 87. Oh. Which <laughs> has made some people wonder if this new starter set is set in a different setting to the Forgotten Realms, which would be an unusual move for, for yeah. the Ghost these days. It, it would. It's basically yeah. Greyhawk but, and Mistara back then, wasn't it? There was nothing else. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. unless it's some homebrew setting. Uh, but that's uh, that's on Amazon already, available for pre-order. And you can see the cover of it. There's a picture of the Demogorgon and um, one of the kids. And, uh, yeah, it's a lovely-looking thing. I'm absolutely <laughs> going to get that. There's no way I'm not buying that. Presumably the adventure starts with a group of kids playing D&D, and the adventure is about a group of kids playing D&D. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, that's getting fractal. I mean, what it needs to be is bad. <laughs> it's a totally fractal D&D. concept, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, but, but actually they go through like some sort of I don't know um, theme park ride or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, possibly that. Cool. Either too, yeah, when well, it comes out, when it comes out in May, so we'll find out for sure then. Cool, cool. It does. It does look awesome. It does. Uh, right. What else has happened in the news? Oh, roll twenty. Oh, they got hacked, didn't they? Yeah, roll oh, twenty got hacked. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So if you do have an account on roll twenty, it's time to change your passwords. Uh, was um, it four million accounts? Four Something million, like which is oh. blimey. Four, that's a lot of accounts. Four million accounts. Um, I mean, Roll20 is obviously the leading virtual tabletop. Mm. And this hack took place back in 2018, December 2018. Wow, oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, Roll20 does say it doesn't really, it doesn't contain any, fun, they don't store any financial information. They use Stripe and PayPal to process transactions, so they're not going to get your credit card or anything like that. Yeah. All Roll20 has is your your name, your email address, your hashed password, 
your last mm. login IP and time of login, and the last four credit card digits. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, so obviously, all- obviously, people should change their passwords, but um, you know, it's, it's good that actual credit card details haven't been stolen. Definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. damage, damage limitation. But I mean, what role hasn't he done to let people know about it? Uh, they they well they sent out a statement essentially uh, email posted on their blog and uh, it's also been reported on a number of tech sites. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, oh, I see you've done another one page adventure. Oh yes, I have. I'd yeah. almost forgotten about that. Yeah, this yeah. one is called Winterheart, based on an original adventure by Esper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is um, obviously a one page adventure for D and D fifth edition. Everything on one single page. I don't allow them to go over that single page. Uh, and this one is um, kind of Frozen-themed. So uh, the, the basic description is um, a noble's daughter's been kidnapped by a cruel elven warlord, and she's got latent ice magic, which is causing a great winter to fall across the land. And can the PCs rescue her before the entire the entire region dies due to this horrible winter? Oh, I see. Um, so this is based off your favourite Disney film. Yeah, my favourite Disney film, yeah. I've got to admit, I've never actually seen Frozen. I really should. Well, yeah, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. But, yeah, you just got to let it go, let it go. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, hmm. This in- impromptu musical outbreak. Yeah. Uh, the Witcher RPG. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, launched in 2018 with a PDF version. Um, on free RPG Day this year, on June the 15th, there's going to be a 24-page free easy mode booklet version of the game, which you can probably pick up from your you know, friendly local game store, and I imagine in PDF format afterwards. So those people who were fans... Wasn't it Wasn't it easy mode game? It's easy mode. Um, I think it's just a cut-down, no, streamlined, simplified version of the game. It's 24 okay. pages long, and I Very assume nice. it comes with an adventure as well. So so it's like a quick start rather than a difficult yeah. decision. Yeah, it's a quick yeah. start, yeah. yeah. Oh. It's their name for a quick start, right. I think, is Very basically nice. what it is. Because otherwise, easy oh. mode is basically just cheating, isn't it? You know, you just, just, well, put, yeah. you know, you just roll, roll the dice. Well, it's based on a computer game, though, isn't it? So maybe, ah, maybe they're just okay. borrowing some of that terminology, perhaps. Very nice. Some of us are interested in the story and don't feel the need for that sort of challenge. I've got to admit, I know very, very <laughs> little about The Witcher. I know there's a TV show coming up starring Superman, Henry oh, Cavill. Right. The real Superman. Right, right. I know there was a video game and now yeah. there's... Is there, is there books as well? Are there novels? I'm sure Yes, it's based on a series of books by a Polish author. Right. But they are much less well-known than the computer game itself. Right, right. Make of that what you will. Um, well, well, I don't know. I, 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 well, I know the rest of the world. I can't speak about it in Poland. Maybe they're huge there, but yeah, The Witcher is definitely based off books, but not. Sure, that's not hugely known. Yeah, um, yeah. I know it's got Gwenthin. Oh, and he's called The Witcher because he hunts magic monsters, not because he's a witch himself. Okay, there you go. Okay, yeah, because Witcher to witch, it's not really a verb, is it? A Witcher. Yeah, I mean, unless you're playing on Twitch or something, maybe like a Twitcher. A Twitcher, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I suppose that would be a bird spotter, really, though. So, you know, um, clearly it's a role-playing game all about spotting birds. Yes. And then killing them. <laughs> and then killing them. There we go. That's it. That's a missing element for our fishies. <laughs> well, that's my next game. Oh, dear. Oh, it's brilliant. I can feel the creativity at work. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, 
We why, do, why do I do this podcast again? <laughs> Terrible life decisions, Russ. The same reason you do anything. Worst podcast ever. Or the my, best. That's, the that's, best. That's, that's my official review. It's good to be ambitious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Best at being worst. Um, um, I like to try and stay positive. <laughs> let's move on to some more D&D news. Um, okay. So, you know, you know, the last two weeks, D&D Beyond has been releasing lots and lots of stats, which we've talked about. Yes, yes. we got some more. The... We've got uh, even more stats. Oh, this time related stats. It's this the time, best ever. Yeah, this time it's a lot of stats as well. So I don't think I'm going to go, I'm going to dive into this. I'm just going to quickly skip over it. So um, we've already seen the most common adventures, the most common classes played by tiers and the most common um, subclasses. Uh-huh. Um, this time they're looking at the most popular multi-class combinations. They've basically gone through each class and sort of dived into each one. And that is going to take ages to go through so i think we'll just stick a link in the show notes and people can go and have a look at the article and just look at all the many many pretty graphs that this involves and i'll just sort of go for the sort of like the the top level news here uh-huh. so it looks like of, of characters of level two plus level two yeah. to 20 11 percent of them are multi-class that's quite a lot actually uh, yeah. uh characters of level 20 27 percent of them are multi-class um, and you can break that down by class, and it turns out, somewhat unsurprisingly, the fighter is the most common multi-classed uh, class. At level 20, nearly 40% of fighters are multi-classed. Yeah, I, that, that makes a fair amount of sense to me. Yeah. Like, like fighter, first level, you get quite a lot of stuff. Then people are always writing about how fighter 2 and action surge is great for wizards. Yeah. So you cast two full spells a turn. So we're, we're, make a guess at the most the most popular combo. Well, fighter magic is a fighter magic is a thief, isn't it? It's bound to be. No. Good guess, good guess, but no, it's not that. Mm-hmm. You're not far off. It's fighter rogue. So it's uh, it's, 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 two, it's two of those three. Um, that's the most fighter popular rogue. combo, followed by barbarian fighter. How bizarre! You wouldn't think that, would you? Um, tricky. Uh, well, I suppose it gives you like access to a fighting style if you get a splash of fighter in there. Yeah, uh, which is which is handy for re-rolling like huge weapon dice. Mm. But yeah, I mean the barbarian kit. I say generally you're best better off just being a barbarian. <laughs> well, this <laughs> article barbarian now. This, this article things. dives into every single class and shows which are the most popular multi classes with each class, and it goes into quite a lot of detail. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move on now. But people who are interested, there'll be a link in the show notes, and they can go and analyze these stats to their heart's content, and probably draw some amazing fantastic conclusions out of it let's move on to some more slightly dnds news do you remember those endless quest books that um we got one of a while back oh hell yeah oh that's right it was like sort of a choose your own adventure but yeah 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 and i I was a dwarf and went into a village full of goblins which the goblins then hacked the rope and sent me flying through the air to land somewhere else yes yeah we We tried we tried to play it on the podcast and you died on the second page as i recall yeah, yeah, I think that was a couple of pages of description first, but which I guess was fortunate because an entire podcast of us reading a book out loud probably wouldn't have worked so well. It, it could have been actual play. Well, anyway, there's, <laughs> there, there, there's two more coming out again by ah. Matt Forbeck. Uh, these have popped up on Amazon and they have September release dates, and they are called Escape from Castle Ravenloft and the Mad Mages Academy. 
So um, going back to last week's news, um, you recall we reported on Zach S and the accusations made against him of uh, abuse and uh, other other even worse things. Um, a number of companies have come out and made statements about how they're reacting to this news. Drive Through RPG has uh, indicated that it is going to no longer sell any future works by Zach Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to continue to sell past works because it because other people get royalties from those works apparently, and they feel it wouldn't be wouldn't be fair to those people to stop selling their work. But it won't accept any further work. Okay. Uh, Ken, that's that's quite a quite a major thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ken Height has announced that he will not work with Zach again or share credits with Zach again. I thought Ken's message was awesome. Actually, I thought that was a really, really well balanced and, and well. Yeah, well yeah. Response. yeah. I, I mean, he posted. Yeah, he, po- he posted on Facebook with a, sort of an apology uh, and uh, a statement that he believed the um, allegations and that he would not he would not work again with Zach. Um, the Gauntlet blog and podcast has a, a very, very strong stance, and they've, posted, they've basically posted an entire page about the thing. Um, they're essentially ne- not going to cover Zach S, any of his publications, the works of anyone that works with him, and will not attend any conventions that he's not explicitly banned from. Oh, goodness. Yeah, uh, so they take a very, very, very strong stance there. Oh, which is uh, worthwhile. I mean, the man has been, well, quite a polarising figure, I think is a nice way to yeah, put yeah, it, yeah. for many years. Yeah. The Gauntlet, who hosts Fear of a Black Dragon, they've said they're going to remove all of the podcasts, I think, where he's featured, or yeah, his work is yeah, featured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so Mike Mills over at Wizard of the Coast, uh, a brief statement, uh, which has gotten quite a negative backlash. Because he tweeted, he he tweeted this, and there's currently 403 replies to it and going, pretty much all of which say that this reply isn't sufficient. Um, so what he said is, uh, Zach Smith was an early playtester for fifth edition D and D until 2014. We have not engaged with him since due to reports of his conduct online with other tabletop RPG content creators. We are further disheartened by recent allegations and offer our support to everyone in the D&D community who speaks out against abuse both in person and online. We promote a self and welcoming environment for all our players and work with our partners to do the same. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I see what they mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, D&D Beyond has actually re- removed... Um, because it wasn't, it wasn't actually a playtester. He was a consultant. It was a bit yes. more than a playtester, um, and he was credited in the, the front of the book. Yeah, oh. he's credited in the front of the player's handbook, along with um, uh, Ken Hyde, Robin Laws, Kevin Culp, and uh, some others. D and D Beyond has actually removed all of the consultant credits from their online version of the player's handbook. So, oh, okay. so they didn't just remove Zach; they just removed everybody. I'm not 100 percent sure of the reasoning behind doing it that way, but. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is interesting. Um, uh, uh, finally, GenCon uh, has tweeted a brief statement, uh, and they say that they have investigated the allegations, but the results are confidential. Um, well, uh, and and then go on to assure everybody that they have enforced their uh, harassment policy as normal. Already. Um. Uh. There. I. Uh, there are rumors going around. Um. That uh, Zach has in fact been banned from Gen Con, but Gen Con hasn't actually confirmed that themselves. Uh, but I've, I've heard that from very, very, very reliable sources, so I think we can safely say that's true. Ah, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've also stated, you know, I'm not going to cover Zach's work on my site 
or any of his work in the podcast or anywhere or give him any kind of platform whatsoever anyway let's let's move on from that unpleasant subject shall we Yes, yes. Um, do you remember last week I mentioned the spirit of dice? Oh yes, yes. They were yes. on Kickstarter. We mentioned them uh, in the opening of the show. Um, yeah. Through my door, those nice, those nice little dice, which um, they sort of have a marbling effect inside. So still, because I don't think Sarah will have seen them. I don't think so. No. What, what are they again? Uh, they're called yeah. Spirit of Dice on Kickstarter. Yeah. Spirit of uh, dice. Spirit of. It's the kind of like the brand name, and then each uh-huh. each dice is a, a, like a spirit of a frog or a spirit of a uh, okay. tiger or or something. And they've got a very mm-hmm. very nice marbling effect. So they're they're a bit like uh, well, you know, marbles. So yeah, it's like that, yeah. but yeah. in, in ah, dice form. Okay. And the uh, the highest side is um, an animal of some description, like a little frog. Anyway, or, um, like that's nice. Yeah. Through, through my through my door the other day, dropped yeah. two packets of these dice Ooh. plus a note. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the note that they sent us, which I thought was really lovely, they said, thank you so much for your support of our Spirit of Dice Kickstarter. It's always hard to get noticed as a UK company, and your mention of us and kind words about the dice is amazing. Please enjoy these dice and hope they roll high for you. Many thanks, the Quitit team. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's that's really nice. That's lovely. Yeah. That's lovely. Very good. Um, so I've got two sets here. Uh, I've got a green frog set and I've got a red shark set. Which one do you want? Oh, green. You can have the green frog set. Okay, I'll keep the red. Yeah. I'll keep the red shark set then. Okay, okay. Fantastic. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you very, very much to the Quidditch team for that. That was, um, that was really nice. I was yeah. quite touched with it. Yeah. Um, right. I think that's it for the news. Yes. Oh, there's one other uh, tiny bit of news, which uh, okay. it's, not, it's not really big news. Um, I It's finally announced, I've been waiting to announce oh. this for ages, um, that uh, I have uh, retired from the Ennies. Oh, Oh gosh! Right. I finally. Well, it's, it's coming up to twenty years, and I've been volunteering for twenty years, and that's a long, long, long trying to volunteer for something. And mm. um, every year for the last few years, I've been, you know, it's been entering my head, thinking, "Ah, oh, this might be my last year. This might be my last year." And finally, okay. um, I decided, like late last year, that you know, I was gonna, I was gonna, um, that was gonna be my last year. Um, I told everyone earlier this year. Yeah. Um, on the on the Ennies team, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's been finally announced. I'm pleased to say, well, not well, not pleased to say. I'm a little sad to say, but um, right. uh, yeah, I am no longer part. That's of That's amazing. Ennis. Twenty years, though, nearly twenty years. That's, nearly that's twenty years. It is such yeah. a long time when you think of it. Like that. I think you have a congratulations and huge thanks from everyone <laughs> in the industry for doing that. That's an amazing. What you get? Like a, oh, a gold, you, not a gold watch. What is it? Some sort of, some sort of gold wand or gold sword for that? Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Mm, no, I just, got, I just got a grudging. All right, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but, but they held the door open when they threw him out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well done, the only, the, only um, the, the the big downside of that, of course, is now I have to start paying for my um, own hotel rooms at GenCon because uh, GenCon very, very kindly provided um, the Ennies with uh, a, a small number of rooms which we use for staff. Oh, oh nice. I'm sorry. Which I can no longer avail myself of. Which is. No. Yes. Which means I have to do that whole housing lottery thing that everyone else always does. I've never done that before. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. One of us. Uh, yes. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe that means I'll never make it to Gen Con again. I don't know how that's going to play out, <laughs> to be honest. We'll see. We shall see. Anyway, that's it. That's it for the news. 
So, Russ, uh, for our sketch this week, a, a friend of mine, uh, David Thomas Moore, at DT Moore Editor on Twitter, a, a, a good friend of mine, has created some exciting sketches for us. So I thought if that would be okay that we could uh, give them a go. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? Well, we might be hunted down by a response and have all our equipment destroyed. Mm. That would be unfortunate. Email master. Thank you, Imp. Let's see. Bill. Bill. Junk. Bill. Junk. Junk. Who tries to sell double glazing to an obsidian tower? What's this? It's from Dvorak the Fierce Master, the Black Guard in the next forest over. About your suggestion of an evil overlord's dinner. Oh? He says, <coughs> Let me know when the self-righteous prick has learned to wear armour and swing a sword like a real villain, Master. Did he, Bryak? I'm sorry, Master. Mm, yes. Armour. Swords. Mm, bloody PE classes. Master? Right. Fetch me the test tubes and the pipettes again, and the size 2 cauldron. I'm going to need an armadillo, an octopus, and a potion of puissant rust. And this is the story of how the rust monster came to be. Yes. So, shall we play our favourite game in all the world? Yes, we should. Wait, what is our favourite game in all the world? <laughs> I'm scared to ask that question. <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's a reasonable response. Like, you know, set that fear, trepidation. Yes. It's yeah. all, it's all yeah. half the course. When, it's like clamminess, hesitancy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so our, our favourite game in all the world is the game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you have to guess what it is from just the name. Right, yeah. okay. And then using his entirely legitimate and not at all arbitrary in any way spreadsheet, um, <laughs> Bristol, great the answers uh, based on what they are. Well, let's give you two each. We'll start with you, Peter, so Sarah can see how it goes. Absolutely. All right, then. Number one, Peter. Yes. Yeah. What is Reach of Titan? Oh, nice. Mm, I think it is a science fiction. Science fiction, definitely. Mm. I don't think Attack on Titan Attack on Titan is getting a uh, popular RPG, which would be quite interesting, but would be uh, a bit special. So Reach of Titan. See, I'm, I'm ho- I'd be hoping for like the or ah uh, Reach of the Titan, Reach of a Titan. No, Reach of Titan makes me think immediately of the planet, and I think it's a uh, yeah. Let's go with like a, a a sort of a splat book, a source book for ooh yeah yeah. yeah. For like maybe the Expanse RPG or something like that, and they're like uh, giving some extra details about like you know Titan and the Belt and all the Outer Worlds and the uh, Outer Planets Consortium. Wow. Um, well, it's not that. <laughs> You've just <laughs> that line would be cool. <laughs> You've just scored minus ten points out of ten. Woohoo! Which, uh, which is actually quite good for you, to be fair. But uh, yeah, yeah. so Reach, well. Reach of Titan by Jim McClure is an original RPG system about fighting larger-than-life creatures. Okay. Players take on the role of titan hunters, special members of their tribe who are responsible for the safety and growth of their community. You're tasked to go out and fight giant creatures that roam the land to feed your families and protect what they have built. Okay, so it's like the Monster Hunter RPG. Uh, Uh, Monster Hunter being a computer game where you 
do that. Um, I guess I, I'm not familiar with that, but uh, it says it will be a familiar feel for anyone who's played Shadow of the Colossus or yeah, uh, mon- oh yeah, it says Monster Hunter or watched the Attack on Titan anime. Oh, there we go. There you go. So you almost had it, and then you talked yourself out of it. Uh, oh, Attack on Titan. Uh, the Attack on Titan anime wouldn't be right. Okay. Be so but, yeah. your your score is currently minus ten. Yes. Oh dear. Crack on. Let's see. Let's, let's see. Let's see what Sarah can do with this one. All right. You ready? Are you ready, Sarah? Everything's playful. Everything's playful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ooh, right. This one is called Lex Occultum Carter Monstro. Oh, oh my God! I can't even say this. Let's try this again. Lex Occultum Carter Monstrorum. Do you, want me to okay. Do you want me to spell that? No, I've, got, I'm with you, with you. No, I've got that. That's, that's, that's Map of Monsters by the Occult Law, isn't it? So, is that the um, the, the Italian Roman era R- Cthulhu RPG, Mexicolta? Is that Mexicolta or Mexicolta? Or am I missing? Uh, you may be thinking Lex Magica. I'm thinking of Lex Magica, am I? In any case, uh-huh. that's to me sounds... Lex- well, basically, it sounds like some sort of cartographic sort of world setting of occult monsters. I mean Ars Magic is no longer a really really a thing, is it? So, no. But that's no. the sort of thing I'm thinking no, of. It gives some sort of ancient world atlas of um of where to find um mysterious magical monsters and kill them. Um is this necessarily an RPG thing or could it be something else? They're all RPG related in some way. They're all yeah. RPG related. Okay, well, I, I'm going to go for some sort of combination um, Atlas plus bestiary um, for... Well, if it's not the if it's not the Roman era Cthulhu thing, then I, I guess I'm just going to randomly plump for 5th edition. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a 5 out of 10 for that. Whoa! Which does put you 15 points ahead of Peter at the moment. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yes, it is a bestiary, um, but it's not for 5th edition. It's for the Lex Occultum RPG, which is a Swedish game. Ah, Oh, there me. The description... The Lex Magica is the Italian one, so... Yeah, so uh, the Carter Monstrorum. In the year of the Lord 1716, a group of slingers from the Royal Society discovered the remains of the late Dutch surveyor and geographer Clement Birkenbosch. Oh, good old Clement, yes. Where's yeah. he been ever since then? Yeah, the Swedish version of um, Alexa Colton was awarded Game of the Year. Uh, and the English version was named one of the top five games in 2018 by Yawning Portal. So this is a sort of one a historical fantasy RPG, is that Yeah, it? yeah. So essentially yeah. 150 to 200 pages... Looks gorgeous, actually, looking at it. Absolutely lovely. I mean, all so these Swedish... Sol- Solomon Caney, a bit that kind of thing. Solomon yeah, Kaney I mean, all, all of these Swedish games always, aren't they? So the, beast, the sort of beast it has, it's got... Um, included, we've got Birken Bosch's own sketches of more than 30 vile and mysterious beasts, including vampires, mm. werewolves, witches, and even the witches. deep and fabled Kraken. No. Release the Kraken. Don't release it. <laughs> is that Kraken? Hmm? So, oh, so how does the carter come in? Is it, is it actually a map thing then? Is this a, it's got a map in it? Just a map obsessive? Doesn't mention that, no. Okay, but it's a I mean, that doesn't, doesn't mean that there isn't, but certainly on this brief description I'm looking at here, it doesn't doesn't say. Cool. Right then, next one. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready, Peter? Yeah, hit me. Come on, let's do it. Woo. The lesser key to the Celestial Legion. 
Mm. I don't know what this is, but I want it. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. The lesser key to the celestial... Legion. The lesser key to the celestial legion. Well, that's just making all my exalted senses start tingling. Um, That's a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know, it's just, oh, that's a fantastic name. Um, uh, Key, I'll just check, is uh, K-E-Y, yeah? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Uh, worth checking. It's, uh, <laughs> yes, it's otherwise, that's a very different case, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 well, it's like a completely different sort of thing. Yeah, um, very uh, small ships. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends how big the major key is. Um, oh, unless <laughs> oh, it's yeah. a music thing as well. Oh. Wow, how many, no, how many different meanings for the word key could you come up with? <laughs> is that a challenge? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> okay, so the Celestial Legion... Um, sounds like a ooh. well. That's what makes it's the, the word celestial makes me think like some sort of. I think that's uh, really the thing that's put me straight onto like sort of the um, pseudo uh, Chinese mithraic mythology that is exalted. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe it's a, but then it's not got dragonborn in. A lesser key to the celestial legion. Oh, that's that's a fantastic name. I really like that. I don't know what it's about, but I like the name. Um, why is it the lesser key? Okay, um, I think this is actually an adventure rather than a source book or setting. There's sort of a Celestial Legion, which is like the uh, Terracotta Army, um, but, you know, probably like less clay and more, more Arahulkan. That would sound pretty good. And then this immense... Uh, body uh, waiting to spring into action and what we're looking for is uh, some sort of magical MacGuffin to help uh, help find this and make it go so yeah um, oh now the challenges which setting um, I've got a good feeling about Starfinder for this one hmm. how am I doing well you know how wrong you were on the last one <laughs> yes <laughs> I think you're doubly wrong on this one Yay! So I think this one's like minus 20 points rather than minus 10, which puts you at minus 30 in total. Doing well. Doing well, doing well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you are completely wrong there. It's for the oh. DCC RPG. Okay, Dungeon Crawl Classic. Yep. Lovely. Uh, it's a source book for mm-hmm. generating uh, angels, relics, and various uh, religious elements for DCC RPG campaigns. Uh, Gosh. Okay, yeah. So it, might, well. so it might actually be the exact opposite of what you said. Uh, well, I would say exactly. But, um, <laughs> I, I expect, I expect, I expect Sarah is now googling frantically um, to, to, to get to get. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. How dare you, sir? How dare you? I wouldn't do a thing like that. <laughs> oh, well, no, I, I was looking at Lexa Colton because it's not my one. No, no, you you do it afterwards. You say, "Oh, that sounds like a really good Kickstarter." Oh, oh, okay, yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> So, Sarah, all you need to do is not score minus 35 points to win. Well, it's best to be ambitious. I'm going to give you a go. I'm going to give you a really, really, really difficult one here. Are you ready? (laughs) Oh, no. What is? What is? Zorro, the role-playing game. (laughs) Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) 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 What is Zorro, the role-playing game? (laughs) Right, well, I, I think... I think it's a set of live-action rules for <laughs> playing furry versions 
<laughs> Al- Almodovar movies. Yeah. So every every movie that Almodovar has made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and is there really going to be a Zorro the role playing game? There movie? is going to be Zorro the role playing game by Garrett Night Rolling Games. Games. <gasps> That's just absolutely astonishing, isn't it? What are we going to do? <laughs> it's, well, it's it uses West End Games D6 system. Okay, well that's solid. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could read the description to you, but I think you pretty much know how that goes. A swashbuckling yeah. and heroic role-playing game, and then you know a paragraph telling you what Zorro is. But I'm sure you know what that is. So <laughs> there we go. Zorro the role-playing game. Um, uh, it's an ambitious one, isn't it? I must admit. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's the dizzy heights of Indiana Jones still there as what, what you can do with this kind of role-playing game. So there's yeah, a, well, there is that. Play. There is that. <laughs> well, sorry for those who are like maybe less familiar with fairly obscure. Um, I guarantee there's not a single where, where, listener where, who doesn't know who Zorro is. But go on, you can explain it if you want. So tell, tales of dashing Mexican swordsmen uh, going around and being all sort of Robin Hood in uh, the American Wild West, which should probably leave now. Well, it says here, uh, railroad barons and scoundrels soldiers and those who would abuse and take from the less fortunate. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. So I think, Sarah, oh, I'll give you five points again for that one. It was a bit of a miserable effort on my part, wasn't it? It, 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 was, it, it was a bit. It was a bit. Um, but I was entertained by your original your original guess. So, um, so uh, I think that means, uh, Peter, yet again, somehow, you've managed to lose our favourite game in all the world. Oh, no, I'm distraught. I, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> I'm crying on the inside. <laughs> right, then. And this week, we look at how the gelatinous cube came to be. Master! Jeez. I was just finishing my dinner. I'm hey, sorry, Master. It was Beef Wellington. It's the Hobgoblins, Master. I haven't even had my pudding. They're striking, Master. Green jelly and strawberry ice cream. They say they won't fight, Master. Do you know how hard it is to get strawberry... What? They say they'll let any adventurers pass until their demands are met. Oh, bother. Should probably do something about it. I thought you might want to know, Master. So what's the gripe, then? It's the tunnels, Master. They're full of dead adventurers. Well, yes. That's what the hobgoblins are there for. They say they're starting to stink, Master. They want someone to tidy them up. What? Do they want me to hire a... Master? Actually, that's fine. Fetch my size five cauldron and a bunch more green jelly. I think we can move on to our main topic this week, which I am very, very excited about. Oh, yes, yes, me too. All right then, but we are here to talk all about you, Sarah. Yay, yes. my favourite topic. Well, not Well, not just you, more, more, more your work than... Uh... Oh, ready here. Well, um... we can talk about Sarah as well. If you want, Sarah. <laughs> no, 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 let's talk about my work. <laughs> okay then. Well, well I, I am very interested in it because um, I've never actually had a chance to play it myself because um, it uses uh, Fate Core, and that's not a system that uh, I've really been able to do a lot of stuff with. Um, Okay, yeah. uh, I've I've spent some time with the Player Handbook, which I managed to get hold of for Mindjammer, and it was really Mm. interesting. I mean... um, Cool, cool. Do, do, do you want me to have a go at saying what I think it's about? And then you can tell yeah, me how yeah, it all wrong. Yeah, and, then, and, then, yeah. and then Sarah can give you a score out of 10. That'd be brilliant. 
Brister's not giving things scores out of 10. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so it seems like there's this explicitly evil transhumanist federation slash the culture, uh, and that's going up against the Imperium of Man in the game of Cat and Dragon universe. Um, yeah, my cord awareness space. Yeah, uh, that, that, I mean, I'm, I'm just based off that, off, um, well, it's like the the new commonality of humankind, which immediately made yeah. me think of the instrument, instrumentalities of man. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. like Cordway Smith, Smith, sorry. Um, that was, uh, and you've got the hominids, which are differently shaped people, but they've all got the minds of people, your hominids. And you've got uh, the xenomorphs, like uplifted animals, a bit like David Brin's Star Tired Rising. And then we've got the synthetics, the machine intelligences, which naturally, for me, uh, I've, my go-to reference would be like Ian and Banks's culture novels. Yep, yep. Um, and they're sort of opposed by the Venu, who uh, I hope I'm saying that right, who are a um, super racist uh, human purists who have a god emperor and live in sort of a pseudo medieval savagery. Mm. And that, of course, leads me bang on to um, the Imperial Man from the Warhammer 40k <laughs> sort of ideas. Mm. <laughs> And the reference to the game of Cat and Dragon is like there's a short story by the again Cordwainer Smith, who is absolutely yes. Like yeah. I, I really love his work, and that is where uh, they keep losing ships when they're traveling through deep space, and yeah. essentially you have a cat and like a, a guy, and you have the cat because they have cat-like reflexes and they can like have pin bombs of light appear, and um, this chases away the terrifying psychic dragons that wish to basically eat the brains of people traveling through space that sounds about right yeah yeah, yeah. i was expecting it to be a bit brighter because like there was like sort of seemed to be like talk two streams for players either the instrumentalities or sort of the administration and instrumentalities you had like sort of the security and cultural integrity instrumentality ready yep, to kill yep. worlds that pose a threat and that sort of put me a bit in mind of the special circumstances again from the culture mm-hmm. they had the armed force the space force internal security and communications and then with the ministry you had propaganda essentially eugenics i felt um mm-hmm. more secret police and war and then the ministry for trucking um, well, we, should probably, yes. we, should probably, we should probably let sarah talk at some point i think I mean, please, please do stop me if like, I'm off track. How, yeah, how, how would you score that, Sarah? Well, this, this, is, this is an interesting point. The thing is, on, on, on terms of the sort of Big Eagle Space Empire sort of, sort of um, spectrum, I don't have a, a view on that. Yeah? So for me personally, what I, what I tried to do in Mindjammer was I actually tried to imagine what would it take to have a viable interstellar civilization? What kind mm. of mm. things would you have to do um, to actually make it practicable to have you know, 10,000 or 100,000 worlds in some kind of loose um, communication forming a single civilization? And it's from that that I sort of extrapolated all the details. Whether the final result is good or evil is not really for me to say. Um, I think there are elements that are very oppressive in, in, the, in the commonality, but equally elements that are very much golden age, very optimistic. Mm. Um, I think one of, the, one of the interesting things that I read over the past couple of years was um, the, the theory, or not the theory, in fact, the, 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 um, the hypothesis or the explanation that our modern day society, for example, is infinitely more oppressive and restrictive than living, for example, 500 or 1,000 years ago. Yeah. 
Um, it's just that we're inside it. That we don't we don't see that we're catalogued from birth to grave. We don't mm. see that we're taxed and implicated in an economy and in a social structure, which actually gives us very little freedom. Um, we're, we're, we, we conceive of our freedom in a certain way and not another way. You know, you can't actually just up sticks and go off grid in England, which you could a thousand. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so there are all these various things that we. It's all a question of perception. Um, so I think. I think you're, when you when you when you're tracing my influences, um, PT, I think you're bang on. I mean, I love Cordwain and Smith. Oh, There's yeah. also a lot of Olaf okay. Stapledon in there as well, under underlying yeah. everything. Star Maker and First and Last yeah. Man is very much in there. Um, yes to Ian Banks. What I, I'm a huge traveller fan. I always have been. And what I wanted to do with Mindjammer was create my version of an ideal, really playable 21st century science fiction universe. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean science fiction as viewed from this point of view of 21st century science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the tropes, you know, in, this, in the same way that good science fiction deals with tropes of society as we see it right now. You know, I've included, you know, the, the, um, the surveillance state in there in, in its various incarnations. I've included the transhuman debate. Um, I've included the eugenics debates. You know, they, these are not black and white issues. They're horribly grey. Um, and they're, they're issues that we have to talk about. And I think I think role playing is really cool because you can have a great time, you know, sitting around a table, smashing things up and at the same time debating really quite serious topics. Um, so that's that's what it is. Um, I, I personally, I kind of think the for me, the commonality has its heart in the right place. Um, you know, I kind of sort of see it as the a combination of the best parts of the United States and the EU. Mm. Um, okay. At the same time, you know, they're having to do things that they really don't want to do, um, but are kind of necessary to, to keep society from falling falling apart. You know, you've got this yeah, society that... that's stretched over 3,000 light years that, that suffers yeah. a massive time, time lag and massive interference mm. and huge cultural cultural attacks from the planets that it's discovering. Um, so it's having to become increasingly um, interventionist the, the, the longer it exists. And I think that is a real dilemma that our society faces as well. Um, but also, yeah, it's one that, that, that generates a lot of conflict in, science, in, in Mindjammer. And what I love, and I love that you've picked it up, is that when I, when I talk to people about Mindjammer is, um, is that people usually have some pretty strong views about the commonality one way or the other. Um, it, it doesn't really leave people unmoved. Mm. Um, either, yeah, this, is, this is the engine for a golden age of exploration. Oh my God, this is horribly oppressive. This is a dystopia, um, which is a, I, I don't know. And I think, I don't know whether the commonality knows either. I think it's sort of working it out as it goes. And I think that's part of one of the themes of the game. It, it was the oligarchy part and um, the autonomous zones. And that made me think very much of sort of uh, the Chinese government. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't I know think, if anyone's drawn that parallel for you before. I think Byzantium, I think China, I think Imperial China, um, I think modern day China. I think yeah. all the communist states have come across these these issues. Um, and I think also our own, um, you know, the EU and the USA um, are coming across, you know, as we, as we try and create a global government. You know, there are centrifugal and centripetal forces at play. And I think they're in there in the commonality. The, the, the fringe is pulling itself apart. The core wants to keep it all together. And happily, that generates conflict, which is gold for role-playing games, isn't it? You don't want a utopia. <sighs> yes. You don't want a peaceful utopia. You don't want a utopia yeah. where everything is solved. You want oh, something exactly. that's, you know, that, that there is something to fight for. And I think that's and one of the nice things you mentioned about fate. One thing I like about fate is that um, because it's so scalable, 
um, characters can really affect the universe. Um, and I think it, that means that the players in a mind jammer game really can influence the course of history and they can influence the shape of civilization. And I think that's one of the themes that you know should be tackled in play by those who want to do it. Mm. I think it's interesting. When, when that's you, when, my take. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but when you said earlier well, that um, it was sort of a 21st century science fiction, as about, you know, yeah. sort of science fiction we would write today, and then you think back to a lot of um, the sort of bigger traditional sort of sci-fi properties like Star Wars and Star Trek or Traveller and all this sort of stuff. And these all date back to like the 70s or maybe the 60s and stuff like that. And they're very, very kind of different yeah. in, oh, I don't know the word, it, flavour. Um, like uh, the transhuman stuff, for example, you're not going to see any of that in Star Wars or Star Trek, really. Hardly, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, they're, they're not quite quite the same. They're quite the same. I mean, they're really a lot more like the science fantasy uh, sure, they're still, yeah. they're still very much using Wild West in space, aren't they? They're still yeah. using very much. I mean, much if you look at Traveller, for example, which is a little little harder yeah. than than, uh, than than Star Wars or Star Trek, then for example, that you know that doesn't really address the transhuman. It's not cybernetics in it, but huh. it you know trans transhumanism as we understand it as a concept these days was the term even used back then? I don't know. Probably it was. Uh, I'm trying to think when it first came out. Actually, transhumanism. It's, uh, it's it was cer- certainly current in the 2000s, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, cer- it's certainly not. It's oh, certainly not a word I was aware of back then. Whether or not, um, what are we thinking? Probably something like uh, Gibson or something around uh, then, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, people like Olaf Stapledon were discussing it in the 1930s, but they didn't have. In fact, it was discussed even by uh, oh, what's his name, Fyodorov, mm. back in the 1880s and 1890s. So it's an, it's not a new concept, but I, I think yeah. the actual oh, language. Well, I think we're well on our way towards it already. I mean, I, I think our mobile definitely, phones make us, definitely. you know, they're, they're, they're brain extensions, already, yeah. aren't they? They're not plugged in, yeah. but you know and, what and, I mean. And they have changed the yeah. way our thoughts, the, the way our brains work. Absolutely. The societies, the way our interactions work. So, yeah. yeah. We are, we're all um, really and they've also that completely that. destroyed yeah. pub conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. anything that comes up, you just look it up. Oh, God. <laughs> Damn it. That's right. <laughs> oh, no, you have to have a form debate. How awful. <laughs> it's not really managed to get that there. Facebook is a clear example that it's not necessarily a corollary. Well, yeah, there is that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what, what, what are the interesting things you can do in Mind Jammers? You can play a sentient starship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you, the Mind Jammers of the. Yeah, can you, can you talk a bit about how that works in game? Um, yeah, sure. Um, you can play. Basically, there's. Um, Intelligence is is ubiquitous in yeah. Mindjammer. That we've got we've got massive miniaturization. We've got easy reproduction of technology. We have very, very almost limitless data storage, mm-hmm. um, and um, sentience as a as a as a, as a artificial um, creation was actually invented probably about six, seven, eight thousand years ago in commonality. So it's it's old. It's well established. Oh. It's built. It's baked into the setting, um, and that means that the you know in in in, in keeping with twenty first century notions of diversity. Um, anything is a citizen, more or less. You know, you can you can trivially create intelligence. Mm. That also poses a, a, a moral issue, an ethical issue, because in the same way as your intelligence, so can you know your gun or your car or even your toothbrush. You know, you can you can put a brain in a toothbrush if you wanted to. Mm. Um, I think there are ethical questions there about whether that's a real person, whether that deserves to be given the full capacities of a, of a real citizen in the commonality, or whether it should be artificially restricted, and is that in itself ethical? So all these all these questions are 
in, in in the in the game. As far as play is concerned, yeah, you can you can create a, any kind of vehicle, specifically a starship in this case, mm. um, which is a character. It has skills, it has stunts, it has aspects, it has all the um, the various parameters you'd expect of a player character. Um, and also because um, this is a game we talk about maybe a bit more later that there is no re-sleeving. You have a single um, life basically, but that mm. life is very very adaptable very very largely very widely defined so your sentient starship can actually have an organic um remote controllable body called an avatar mm. um, which can have various forms you can customize them um, so you can actually as an intelligent starship you can have a body that you remote control when it goes down on the planet to have adventures with the other pcs um, so that that sort of skips over that issue of you know how can i how can i as a as a ship be on an equal terms with the with the other player characters who have got humanoid body mm. um, but it works seamlessly that's the nice thing about fate is that fate handles um the rules shifts between scales very easily yeah. so yeah. um you know other games have a bit more trouble um for example uh, if a, if a human being attacks a spaceship, how does that work? Mm. Um, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a spaceship tries to intimidate an organisation, how does that work? Yeah, um, you know, fate, fate can actually handle that transparently and seamlessly, which is which is really cool. Which is why why I chose the rule system for the game. Um, but yeah, you can play you can play sentient starships characters and, and have a blast. Yeah. Mm. Oh. I'm just uh, I'm just looking at that map. The um, I've, I've spoken mm. to you about this map before and how jealous I am of it because I think it's absolutely gorgeous. The map of commonality it space is lovely, isn't it? It is one of the yeah. prettiest space maps I've seen in an RPG. It's absolutely lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, who, Jason, who Jason Juter did that? that. He's a star. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Jason Juter, who's, yeah. who's our art director. Yeah. He. I mean, I actually started off with a sketch. Um, yeah. And when I was doing Mindjammer first edition, we did a lot of um, analysis of infographics um, because mm. one thing that I didn't want was, um, okay, you know, in Traveller you've got two-dimensional space. Yeah. Um, in Mindjammer yeah. I wanted to get over that. I wanted to have a properly three-dimensional space, <laughs> even four or fifth-dimensional, but for, for, for regular purposes, yeah. um, three-dimensional. Yeah. And I wanted a way of, of, of actually showing that in schematics that didn't turn into a complete visual nightmare um, because, mm. you know, if you've got like a – if you've got – a, a, a lattice of 27 cubes arranged in a three by three by three grid. Yeah. Um, trying to view that from any angle on a two dimensional piece of paper is a nightmare. Um, so what we did, we, we looked at various infographics and ways of ex- expressing that information visually. Um, and I came up with this, this way of just having these various spheres, which are loosely the size and the position kind of refers to where they would stand in a three by three by three lattice. Yeah. And I did some, I did some sketches yeah. and some scrolls and put some labels on them and gave them to Jason. And he came back with that map which is just gorgeous, isn't it? Mm, oh, it just, is, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Blew me away. Um, and it was very inspiring like as well because a... it led me to think about, you know, other, other things that need to be written. Yeah, no, I've got it in front of me right now, just full screen, and it's absolutely lovely. Um, you've, got, you've got a fiction. I've got one of your books. Is it just the one Mindjammer book or is it a series? Um, at the moment, there's just the one Mindjammer novel. Yeah, um, well, I have that. And yeah. there's a... There's one published short story. Mm. I've written a couple more. Um, I'm supposed to be producing an anthology of short stories, which is underway. Mm. Um, and there are two more novels planned. I've written half of the second one. Um, but as usual, you've got to clone yourself. Haven't you? There's so much stuff to yeah, write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> um, did you want to talk a bit about Chronicles of Future Earth? Sure. Yeah, that's that's our that's our new project. Well, I say it's our new project. It is our new project, but it's uh, it's actually a, a universe I've been building longer than Mindjammer. 
Um, it started back in about 1999 in wow. concrete terms. Uh, it was the first thing I actually wrote for D&D 3rd Edition when it came out. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of, a, of an artist called Bruce Pennington. I don't know whether you know him. He's the, uh, mm. he's the guy who did all the New English Library covers of things like Dune and the Pastel City and Jim Wolfe's uh. Shadows of the Torturer in the, in the, and, and the, all the Martian stuff, the Barsoom stuff, the John Carter novels. Yeah. Um, in the 70s and 80s, I think he started with Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, and then went straight on right up to the Michael Valentine Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some really, really good stuff. Um, and he's he had this. He's got this ability to to paint landscapes which have got this sort of built in um, and science fiction plus antiquity. You know, it's the, he's got this. His, his images really do contain a kind of strangeness and a sense of wonder, um, which just kick off the imagination. And um, I wanted to. I'd always loved his work, mm. um, and I wanted to. Sort of I'd always dreamed of having a having a, a role playing game setting, which was which looked as though it had been illustrated by um, by Bruce Pennington's ideas, if you like. Yeah. Um, so so that's kind of where I started to scribble um, some ideas for Future Earth down in in the um, before 1999. Actually, I think my first pen to paper was in the late 80s, mm. um, but I started mm-hmm. to deliberately construct it as a setting in the late 90s, um, and it's it's a very very far future. I'm calling it cosmic fantasy. Um, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of science fantasy, but it feels very much like a fantasy role playing game. We've well, got demons got, and magic and things like that. There are gods and demons and monsters yeah. and magic and sorcery yeah. and ancient ruins. And beneath the ancient ruins, there are even older ruins of, of, a, of a lost technological civilization. Um, and mm. the big mm. mystery is that um, is that in the far distant past, there was this massive interstellar civilization that collapsed, um, sort of maybe. 60,000 years ago um, yeah. and yeah. left this world which was torn apart basically and invaded by um, monstrous um, interdimensional beings and, and on the verge of collapse um, and it was only preserved by uh, people adhering to the teachings of 20 um, very very conservative gods mm. who said this is how it is from now on um, and um, civilization clung on and went through many many changes um, until now, in the modern day, um, you have something called the Venerable Autocracy of Saqqara, um, which is this um, big empire um, set in what's currently the Spanish Peninsula and the western half of Africa. Mm-hmm. But, but during an ice age, so the, 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 the sea levels have dropped, the climate's changed, It's um, um, there are snow-capped mountains all the way through um, the, the, what's currently the Spanish Peninsula, the Spanish, Spanish-Portuguese Peninsula, and the, the western Saqqara. Sahara is all grasslands and forests and so on, um, moving down into the south. Okay. Um, and the trope of it is basically that that um, the world has been slumbering away in this kind of dying earth stupor for 15,000 years, just, mm. just eking out of existence. And everyone's kind of got a bit, you know, a bit, a bit, bit stagnant, really, a bit decadent. Um, everything that's worth doing has been done in the past. There's no point in trying to build anything new or technology because it's all been done. And everyone just goes through their routines uh, in this sort of dying civilization. And then yeah. suddenly, yeah. shit begins to happen in a really nasty way. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of these ancient cities uh, on, the, on what's currently the modern Spanish coast uh, explodes. In, in this cloud that's vaguely reminiscent of a mushroom cloud. Mm. And everyone starts to freak out. Um, there are chaos beasts suddenly um, manifesting in farmlands and attacking civilians and, and mutating them into something horrendous. There's mass panic. Um, and the, the beef is basically, uh, it looks like the world is going to end. Um, the old enemy is back. 
But in the past, everyone was prepared and everyone was ready to fight. And now everyone's a bit sort of complacent and a bit uh, a bit jaded. And the deal is, can can civilization really get its act together to fend off this onslaught? Um, and the characters you play are people who've been caught up in that. They're generally speaking the good guys. Um, they're representing legions and temples and guilds and sorcerers' colleges and what have you. Um, you can play humans. You can play um, again these kind of hominids. We're calling them the Janiri, who are kind of um, sort of modified versions of humans to be to be to be strange humanoid creatures. Mm. And there are even sort of what appear to be extraterrestrial aliens who become. Um, adapted to life on, on the future Earth, um, who are called the Asteri, and there are various species, various genotypes of those. So you can play characters from all of these. Um, and basically, you're, you're using what you have around you, you're exploring the ruins of the past, you're trying to piece together the, what the hell happened 8,000 years ago, what, the, what, the, what history actually was. There's been so much history, most of it's been forgotten. Mm-hmm. We're living in the post historic age, and everyone's trying to work out what to do to, to stave off the, the rising of the dark again. Um, so it's, it's kind of an action-packed cosmic fantasy. Um, yeah. If you if you imagine sort of a, the sort of hair metal 1970s Tangerine Dream come Gong album covers, <laughs> um, you know it's it's not it's that sort of vibe. You know you've got your you've got your axe and it's the you know it's the riders of the riders of the gates of dawn. You're taking no prisoners. This is the end of the world. Um, and it's it's a it's a slightly um, it's not totally Gonzo. It's still fate. It's still using fate core, but it's using a much more um, action-packed version of fate core, a much more perilous one. Um, and Chronicles originally was uh, in, the, in 2009. It was released as a supplement for basic roleplay. It was a slim volume released by Calcium, um, and this is kind of the, the 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 full version of that. And in its DNA, even though it's fake core, it still contains quite a lot of the the gameplay ideas, the, the philosophical concepts of games like basic role playing. Yeah. Um, so when you play it, it feels quite gritty at table. It's not um, it's not uh, an, a non-critical, uh, a non-dangerous story game. It's uh, it's very much you know you can have a TPK quite easily sure. in the future. So that's the that's the that's the yeah rough, rough description. Um, how much technology is it? I mean, it's. Uh... The technology is long in the past, as I understand it. So, the technological and, 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 and magic is present. So, is, is there technology still around? There is technology still around. Um, there is a there's a temple um, of a god called Kosht, the artificer, and mm. um, his mm. uh, his artificers are busy in the um, the rust de- the rust deserts and the ruins beneath um, beneath the great cities, um, trying to use their sorcery to reconstitute um, ancient devices and so on. Right. Um, so yeah. With um, flame lances, um, the autarch of the city of Korodath had a, a non-functioning flyer in his um, in his museum, um, which was uh, basically a, an ancient graph car of a type, um, which nobody could get working. Um, there are planing machines here and there, which are kind of like stargates, mm. um, which which live which exist beneath certain great cities, and they allow the autocracy to connect with. Um, wells which it was once in much more um, open contact and um, so they still maintain contact with these with these lost worlds and perhaps lost dimensions as well um, it's all a bit unclear um, so that there is technology it's not it's not being currently created um, it's being archived and preserved and conserved right. and often repaired um, but there is also you know a lot of it's become a little bit entangled with sorcery and with magic yeah and with these yeah. strange 
beings called gods mm. who offer all kinds of strange powers as well. So it really is, a, it's, you could call it techno-fantasy, but it feels like a fantasy role-playing game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at the um, what you get with... I mean, the Kickstarter ended a while back and it comes out, what, in a yeah. month or two is the book released? It's probably going to be a little bit late. Um, we're looking at somewhere in towards the end of Q2, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I was just kind of looking at... It's a, it's a big old, nearly 400 pages, full-colour yeah. book. You've got a, a, a mm-hmm. poster map there. Um, yeah. What else have we got? We've got a, a screen, as I see. A um, screen, di- a screen, uh, dice. Yeah. Are these tokens, counters, cards? I'm seeing here. Um, face, face tokens. Yeah, cards. And so a it's couple of so, a couple of booklets. So yeah. it's quite a high production value, quite quite a lavish kind of deluxe set you've got going on there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We wanted to get something that was a good substantial um, product for, for, yeah. for the Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I'm I'm definitely definitely looking forward to this. So I just want to clarify something. So the, the magic is real. Is is it's not it's not technology it's that people don't magic. understand. It's actually magic, yeah. is it? It's uh, as you, well, basically yes. Yeah. I mean that, and um, as far as for all intents and purposes, yes, it's sorcery. It's, it's the ability for people to manipulate the universe using definitely not using technology. Yeah. Exactly yeah. how it's done is is unclear, um, but yeah, there are spells, there's sorcery in the game, there are. Um, there are miracles which you can get by um, channeling the powers of, of these divine gods. Yeah. Um, there are demon, demons with bizarre powers and so on. Yes. Yeah. So yes, there's magic, definitely. Exactly what that is is unclear. Sure. I mean, one thing one thing that I've tried to do with the chronicles is that um, it actually when I was um, when I was writing the chronicles, I wrote I wrote hundreds and hundreds of pages in the in the noughties in the between sort of 1999 and yeah. 2008. And when I was writing um, the history of it, I wanted it to make sense. I wanted this to be a, a far future cosmic fantasy, science fantasy game where everything actually made some kind of logical sense. It's not sort of hand wavy and flippant. It's actually quite quite nailed down. Um, and mm. one of the things when I was writing about the far distant past of the, of the autocracy. Was um, I wrote a, a single line that said in the beginning, before the beginning of time, there was the commonality. Right. Um, and this was meant to be this sort of token throwaway comment about some um, the interstellar civilization that had fallen. Yeah. Um, and that led me exploring what actually the commonality was. Led me to create Mind Jammer. Um, so even though the Chronicles of the Future Earth is not necessarily the future of Mind Jammer, it could be quite quite possible that mind jammer is the past of the chronicles of future earth right okay yeah and um, so it's possible it's like an old possible alternate future yeah, for the, yeah. For the commonality in some way um, so with that in mind yeah the everything that you see in the chronicles of future earth is is real you know there are there are monsters there are mutations there are creatures gods magic sorcery and technology mm. and all of it has a a logical underpinning yeah right so, I mean, if there's if there's, if there's gods there, how would and if um, uh, Mind Jammer was in the past, as you say, it might possibly be. Mm-hmm. How would how would that interact with the with the sort of commonality back in the past? If you've got gods wandering around and demons and things, that is the million dollar question, <laughs> and, that's, and that's not something that I can really um, explain clearly to you right now. Right. But I do I do have some theories. Um, but I'm not going to go into them right now. Okay. Because okay. Fair as, enough. Because as is as is usual with these things, you know that um, I, I'm I'm exploring this universe at the same time as I'm writing it. Um, so I, I have I have oh. theories. I don't want to give away my theories because my theories may be wrong. Okay. And as we explore, yeah. um, the th- those those theories may change. Um, but basically, my my theory is there to 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 sort of back up what I'm writing about. 
um, to make sure it all makes sense to me. Mm. And then we'll, I think, you know, hopefully we'll explore it together and work out what on earth happened and why is the world the way it is? What's mm. happening now? Why are things exploding? Why does the world seem to be coming to an end? And what can we do about it? And what does the future hold? Um, and I'm hoping that, that that whole mass of questions will be the um, the, the energy to, uh, to 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 give us um, the, the motivation to adventure further. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, are you uh, are you writing novels for this one as well, or? I've written one so far. It's called The Worm Within. Yeah. Um, and basically, I wrote that um, a few years ago now, um, while I was working on the on the actual New Chronicles game, the text for that, and. It actually, I was, again, there's there's a series of novels planned for, for the Chronicles. Mm. Um, but what I did, when, when, we, when we sat down and thought, okay, we're going to do a Kickstarter now, we finally got the, the, the time and the energy to do this Kickstarter, which we need to do for years. Um, I said, okay, well, let's, let's, what I didn't want to happen was to have a situation where we were kind of, kind of going to have to play through the events of the novel in the game. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really want that because it's, it's dull, <laughs> you know, because everyone knows what's happening in the novel. So what we did, we, you, we, we, you didn't want to Dragonlance it, essentially. I didn't want to Dragonlance yeah, it at all. Yeah. No. Um, so so, so what, what we've done is yeah. that, um, is that the, the novel actually is the immediate past of the, of the game. Right. So the the, the the present day of the game takes place just after the end of the novel. Okay. Um, so if you want to get some really good um, insight into into what's just happened in the in the autocracy, and mm. have a look at the worm within, that, that will give you some, some oh, cool ideas. Is is that um, and also tell you what is that yeah. available to get yet, or is that part of the Kickstarter? Yeah, it's been it's been out for a couple of years. Oh, it's, excellent. Um, it's excellent. Been, Amazon. It's on. You can get it in physical copy and in um, ebook. Oh, great! And, I and really, really enjoyed Mindjammer, so I'm I'm picking that oh, up cool. as soon Thank as, you. as soon as as soon as this call ends. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick that up because uh, no, awesome. I love Mindjammer. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, do you remember my yeah, friend well, Al? I don't know if you remember him. You met you've met him a couple of times. Yeah, I remember Al. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. He, yeah. he picked up Mindjammer as well. I mean, this is this is going back what, four years now, five years. We yeah, put those up a track and meet one year. I can't remember when it was even, but he 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 about he, 2011, 2012, around then. Wasn't yeah, it? it's yeah. quite a while ago. But he he loved it as well. He absolutely loved it. So oh, I'm going to awesome. recommend that book to him too. Oh, I'm so chuffed. Thank you. Thank you. I'll give me impetus to go and write <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Get writing. <laughs> Get writing. So what, what else have you got planned sort of game-wise? Any Gosh, big that's projects a, that's coming a good one. up? Or... Um, yeah, there, there are, basically we've got a couple of projects in mind at the moment. The, the big thing I'm trying to do at the moment is, uh, you mentioned it earlier, the, the difficulty of running a games company and writing at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is sorting out my, my product pipeline in a sensible way. Um, so I'm looking for a proper, for a decent editor mm. um, and for, for, for people to basically help run the company. And um, so I can free myself up <laughs> for, for writing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. It's, it. it's the old dilemma. Uh, it seems to be working. Um, uh-huh. So I'm, try- I'm just trying to trying to pace myself not to take too much on because I'm terrible like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But ha- having having said that, um, I'm currently writing an, a, a campaign for the new RuneQuest um, called mm-hmm. Barbarian Town, the Chaosium. Um, and within um, Mindjammer Press itself, um, I've been working on um, actually something that's real fun, um, and it's just a pet project. I've been doing it for a couple of years on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a setting for Tunnels and Trolls. Oh, right, um, okay. Tunnel, Tunnels and Trolls was my, was my first ever role-playing game, and I love it to bits. Um, mm. And I actually think the rules system is um, actually very sophisticated. It's one of those one of those games that's often dismissed because it seems to, it's seen as a beer and pretzels type game. Um, yeah. But if you, if, if you actually play a lot of it, you begin to realise this is actually, you know, this is kind of the, a, a very early version of a, of, a, of a narrative story game 
Um, it's right. Ken Santander himself um, based it off trying to emulate the the action that happens in a novel rather than the action that happens in a miniatures war game. And basically, what I've what I've done, I put together a, a setting for it, which is set in um, in the in the troll world. I've tunnels and trolls. Mm. I've created my own sort of mini mini continent mm. called Zimuria. Is this another Kickstarter? Um, and it's black. I don't know. Um, it's, these days, people seem to expect Kickstarters. They expect a certain certain level of production values and things yeah. that needs to be funded by Kickstarter. Personally, I, I, I kind of think Kickstarters are very, very good tools for a certain project. I'm not quite sure whether this one, it's called the Lair of the Leopard Empresses, mm. um, is going to be a Kickstarter mm. project. Maybe yes. Maybe yes. I don't know. Um, and uh, and then on top of that, we, we're trying to just start off at the moment um, a stream of uh, a line of uh, fifth edition adventures, uh, oh, which is something okay. I've wanted to do for a long time. And uh, I've got an adventure which I'm currently just finishing up. Um, and we have a campaign um, world which we've created as a Bible, basically. The intention is not to produce this massive bumper book, yeah. but to produce yeah. a number of adventures if we can. Um, so that's something I'm looking, in, looking into right now. Um, I have a, a product, uh, a line developer lined up for it, and uh, some material underway. Mm. But that's probably something for later this year. Um, but that would uh, that would give us plenty to be going on. We, we also have the Cafanium role-playing game, which is the um, the one released at Gen Con last summer, right. which is a, an English translation of the French role-playing game um, by Studio Dead Crows in Montpellier, um, who are the guys who translate the French version of Mind Jammer. Um, and that's a game that I, I saw maybe 10 years ago in its first edition and loved it to bits. It's a kind of um, alternate Mediterranean world, completely anachronistic fantasy role-playing game, mm. where you basically, yeah. it's set, it's it's centred in a, in a sort of um, pseudo-Arabian peninsula. Um, so it's different from most fantasy role-playing games, which, which tend to assume that the norm is this kind of fantasy Europe. Yeah. And yeah. In this game, the norm is a fantasy Arabia. So all your player characters, by default, the worldview and all the society and the common sense stems from this sort of fantasy Arabia. And there are sort of pseudo-Europeans in the setting, but they're the outsiders. They're the foreigners, the invaders, and so on. Um, and the cool thing about it is um, it's completely anachronistic. You can have Jason and the Argonauts rubbing shoulders with, um, with Don Quixote, um, and, uh, and it works. Um, and there's also a big overarching, um, not quite a meta plot, but a, but a, but a campaign concept. Um, where the characters are called dragon marked, they they bear a, a birthmark of a dragon's claw um, behind their heart, um, and they have oh. strange draconic powers. And the the cosmology is sort of gods and dragons in this kind of Greek gods versus Titans type war. Um, and uh, it's it's a really cool game. It's a nice system, um, and it allows you most importantly to have sort of pseudo historical role playing. Um, so it's sort of a kind of oh. fantasy Mediterranean. But you don't have to worry about being historically accurate. And also, you don't have to worry about training on cultural sensitivities because it's all fictionalized mm. and, and sort of sort of screwed up in a big bag and, and shaken up in a big bag. And um, so that, you know, there, there are there are sort of these pseudo-Europeans, these pseudo-Spanish, these pseudo-Africa, pseudo-Ancient Greece, Rome, Atlantis. So, so like how Seven um, Seas sort of handles it? It's kind of Seven Sea-ish, yeah. Um, but it's... Yeah. Um, it's probably more overtly. It's more like Ray Harryhausen, the role-playing game. Right. Okay. <laughs> so if you want, if you want to play Sinbad or Jason the Argonauts or, or that kind of thing, um, then that's that's the that's the vibe, really. That's well, that, the that, that is crying out for a miniatures range. 
Oh, we got plenty of plenty of skeletons jumping out of the sand and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's all that. Yeah, excellent. Okay, now we're talking. You have so much stuff around. going on. That's incredible. Ooh. It keeps how, us busy. How do you yeah, do it? At the, at the moment, we are we are struggling to. I don't sleep very much. No, I, um, oh, yeah. to be honest, it is it is my main job, isn't it? You know, it's like I guess um, it, it's. Um, I live in a field in Normandy. There's not a lot going on around here. There's no pubs. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, but um, but no, it's 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 great fun. It's really stimulating, and I have a really good bunch of people around. Me. Yeah, you work very closely with Modifius, don't you? Yes, yeah. Um, Chris Birch and Modifius have been. I mean, he was the guy who gave me my first ever writing yeah. gig back in twenty oh nine with Mindjammer first edition. Um, so he's uh, he's our distributor, our distribution partner. Um, so basically, we're a production studio. Yeah. Um, but we're finding out we're having to sort of we're, we're a bit creaking at the seams. It's taken us five years. Well, we've been in existence just under six years now, I think. Um, and we're finding now that we're beginning to need to expand just from being a purely production studio to start looking at, at the marketing and, 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 and you know, a bit more oh, yeah. logistics all, side, side of all things. All that fun uh, stuff. All that fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, and that's yeah, when you the, find you're not writing anymore. <laughs> that's the trick. That's, that's the challenge. I mean, at least I've ever I've identified the problem in advance. So yes, yes. Hopefully that'll give us a... Uh, hopefully hopefully you could avoid it, it. yeah. I mean, you, that's right. You were the uh, Chronicles of Future Earth Kickstarter. Were you running that personally or did you have people to do that? I ran that one personally. Because that, yeah. is, um, that is a lot of work, running a Kickstarter. Mm. It's the work that you don't see in a Kickstarter. That's the, I mean, one thing I didn't realise was the pledge manager afterwards. Mm. Um, you know, that's the... That, that's the real trick. I mean, with the Mindjammer Kickstarter back in 2015, I thought, yeah, great. What a month, you know, really good month invested. Let's get back yeah. to writing. But uh, oh, no, <laughs> you know, we stopped the Kickstarter and then spent the next two and a half months doing the pledge right. manager, um, which was just, you know, it was great. It really helped. Yeah. It, was, it was an amazing experience. But it, that was time that, you know, was meant to spend writing. Um, so that's the thing that I think people don't realise is all the hidden work yeah. that goes into a Kickstarter. It's been really lovely having you it on the really show, Sam. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening to you talk. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed it's it. Always... It's, it's just flown. It's been there. It's been it's been bewildering. It's been it's been destabilising. <laughs> it's been confusing. But it, I've, I've come away with this feeling that I've actually had a really good time. It is always a, it's <laughs> always exactly. a pleasure to talk to you, Sarah. I always I always look forward to it. Likewise, Russ. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolute pleasure. And hopefully you'll come along Thank again you when you've got something else lined up. I would love to. Yes, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. This is the story of the creation of the Albert Master. Uh, oh, hello, imp. It's the guard bear master. Oh, Fluffy? Yes, master. Fluffy 16, in fact. She's dead, master. Adventurers. Third one this week. Shall I fetch Fluffy 17? Oh, bother. How does this keep happening? I fear they're coming in at night, Master. The Fluffies don't have the best night vision. Ah. I see you've grasped the problem, Master. I have indeed. Right, Fawny one, Master. Mm, we could get a large owl. They have excellent night vision. It would have to be a very large owl, Master. Very well. Fetch me a male bear and a female owl. Master? Hmm. Female bear and male owl? I don't think that will work, Master. Right. Fetch me a male and female bear, a male and female owl, eight test tubes, four pipettes, a size two cauldron, and a lot of animal tranquilizers, and clear my schedule for the night. Thank you. 
thank you so much everybody for listening it's been a pleasure as always uh if you do enjoy this podcast please please do support us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash morris so that we can continue to do this and uh, if you want to chat to us pop on over to our discord which you can find a link in the show notes to that. And, uh, you know, you can shout abuse at us or something. I don't know. Shout abuse at Peter and say nice things to me. Well, that's certainly something you could do. (laughs) Or alternatively. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, goodbye. Well, what a disappointment that was. I have some thumbscrews around here somewhere. Maybe, after a bit more torture, their podcasting might be a little less excruciating. (laughs) Do you see what I did there?